da 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 You sound insane. Do you realize that? Oh, yeah. Because the whole world got crazy. Seriously? It's showtime. More Cohen talk. Yes. Guys, right now. Um, Brian, a cliffhanger to our last uh-huh. Cohen throwback, yeah. throwback was... You had a little hot sports opinion, flying did, around, yeah, hot yeah. movie opinion, in the <sighs> fact that you said Raising Arizona was your favorite Cohen production. It is. It's my favorite Cohen so spinoff. Besides Lady Killers, obviously. Spinoff podcast is. We need to figure out why. Why? What is this? So you're going to host. Okay. I'm just going to be the uh, the Brian rule. So all right. Um, I guess you could start by generically summing up that. Uh, I guess uh, mentality, uh-huh. and then defend well, yourself. Defend, defend yourself okay. first without spoiling. Yeah. To be much. clear, just to be right up front, I did not say that it is the best Coen Brothers movie. I would say it's probably your favorite? fourth or fifth best uh, compared to some of their other work. But it is Cop my out. favorite. Cop out. Um, <laughs> Backpedal. It is true. Um, but it, yeah, it's my it's my favorite one because to me, like I saw this one as a kid. Um, this movie, what we're talking, this is 30 years now that this movie's been out. Is that right? This is 87, yeah. I think. Okay, so this 30-year anniversary. So I probably saw it on like TBS or TNT when I was, I'm going to guess, eight or nine. And the Coen brothers, we talked about a little bit on No Country for Old Men, but they're such a unique presence, mm-hmm. and they do things in a very like Coen-y way. They're basically their own genre in a lot of ways, and... As a kid, I don't think I'd – well, I know I had. I had never seen anything like what they were doing. Mm-hmm. And Raising Arizona, to me, I don't know that it's the most accessible movie that they have. That's I would guess that's probably Lebowski yeah. or maybe True Grit. Um, but it is – I always forget about True Grit. It's a good movie. It's not dark or it's not as dark as most of their other films, so it's easier – like, I got away with watching it, I guess, as a kid, and that would not have happened with um, Big Lebowski or Fargo or one of those. You're out of your element. Out. You are not in your, <laughs> not in a great household. But I know. Your parents know. didn't let you watch um, Lebowski. But at eight or nine, definitely not. Like, I wasn't, I wasn't watching, I was not watching the sort of subversive comedy that yeah. the Coens were bringing to the table with Raising Arizona. You were just so watching Eyes Wide Shut. Over and over and over again. Um the two VHS setup. Oh yeah. yeah. Remember those? <laughs> Remember double VHS? Yeah. Oh, Titanic. What a, yeah. What an experience. Uh, so I saw this a bunch as a kid. It was one of those movies that it was, it was perpetually in the rotation on whatever, on TBS or whatever. And it was always one that I was excited to watch when it, when I found it on a Sunday afternoon, if the NBA on NBC wasn't yeah. going or something, Bill Walton talking yeah. to me, um, American treasure, Bill Walton, excuse me. So it's just, it's, so it's got some, some nostalgia built into it. I still think it's a hilarious movie just overall. It's the, it's so dumb and simple, but they're the execution of the concept is really good. And I think you get a lot of, as now 30 years out, Looking at all sixteen or seventeen movies that the Conan, the Conans, the the Coens have made, um, I would like to see seventeen Conan movies as well. But uh, Conan the Barbarian, you mean a sequel to that one <laughs> right. that recently but came out, starring Conan O'Brien, with Jason Momoa. Obviously, um, no. But I think looking back, 
We just did a deep dive on the disturbed sound of silence that Kent had never heard Performance of. Performance on Conan, by the way. Whew, it was something. I guess, wish you guys could have seen his face. He was very unhappy. <laughs> no idea it existed, and then I found out it had 180 million <laughs> plays, and I was like... It, it has that many plays just because it's so bad for so many people, but so great for so many other people. Yeah, yeah. it's hitting both sides. It's hitting of the both aisle, of really. those. Yeah, that's, um, I mean that's what Disturb does. It brings us all together. That's right. It's a bipartisan. Uh, look, so what I like about this movie in the context of the last thirty years, looking back at Coen Brothers films, is that I think you get a taste of everything that they do well um in this in this one film and so you're getting like a little a little glimpse of the dark comedy you're getting a slight glimpse of of the darker elements of what they do uh you're getting a look at their dialogue and especially at their character creation because the characters in this movie are great and they don't really have any business being great i feel like like this is such a dumb should be such a dumb throwaway yeah. movie. We should not be talking about it 30 years later. And instead we are. And, and it's got a great cult following. And the characters are are so well written and brought to life. And uh, so, yeah, it's it's my favorite of, of their movies. And uh, I hadn't watched it in several years. My wife has never seen it. So we've been married for almost, I don't know, whatever, eight years. And so I probably haven't watched it during that time. Um, and I when I we were watching the other night I was like this is still to me is just as funny as it was the first time I saw it 20 years ago Richard yeah it's uh it's actually one I saw I came to this movie later in life uh I didn't I didn't have the uh the viewings in in my childhood for whatever reason uh so I saw this after I certainly I saw Fargo Big Lebowski and huh Trying to think what other Coen Brothers movies I've seen, so I have an interesting context to this because I didn't really, you know, I I knew what I was looking for when I saw this the first time. Okay. Uh, so your perspective is probably more truthful than mine because mine is kind of clouded by other brilliant things that they've done, and you see those notes in it, you know. So, so uh, but I love Holly Hunter, uh, Nick Cage when he's like not a crazy person is. Is, uh, both times, yeah. Both times he's not been crazy. Has <laughs> been, um, he's a he's a great. You know what's a great Nick Cage movie is Matchstick Men. Yes, yeah, I have that one. Uh, underrated Nick Cage makes me want to vacuum my house every time I watch it. But <laughs> yeah, it's underrated. But uh, he was he he's he capable very high. And then, uh, but yeah, this movie is I think still laugh out loud funny. Mm-hmm. Uh, really, really, really funny. Yeah, it's um. To your point earlier, Brian, I don't know. It's hard to tell if we're talking about it 30 years later because of what the Coens became and because of what Nick Cage became. Fair, yeah. That rather than if it stands on its own as a great mm-hmm. comedy or whatever. So where do you, where does your opinion fall in as far as that goes? Like, why I think is it so if, nostalgic? I think if the Coen brothers didn't make another movie or if, like, the next movie they made was terrible and so they, you know, you never got... Uh, these movies that we think of first when we think of Coen Brother movies, I think we're still talking about this one because it is, and maybe we're sitting here saying like, how in the world did they make this? And then their next movie was Howard the Duck too. You know, like I, I don't know how does that how did that happen? Um, but I, I think we would be because there's a sequel. To it's, <laughs> no, I'm just saying yeah. because uh, yeah. it's so well written and it's it is really it's just this is like. An example of a just a stupid fun movie, and again, they elevate it because of the way, because of the dialogue, and because of um, the way that I mean, 
Nick Cage and John Goodman and Holly Hunter and all of them are so bought into what they're doing. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, and then the Coens are taking Cohen sensibilities, what we know of now as Cohen sensibilities, and putting them um, in these kind of weird and hilariously off-kilter bits and settings and scenes and stuff like that. So to your point, Kent, like, yeah, I, I don't know. Obviously, I, I can't say for sure, like, what we would think about this. If there's an alternate universe where the Coen brothers don't make another movie after this one or don't make another good movie, mm-hmm. are we still talking about it 30 years later? I think we are just because it is such a such a quirky kind of uh, unique example of not just of comedy but but kind of 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 romantic comedy like we could have talked about this in our not necessarily our chick flicks episode but this you could apply the romantic comedy element uh, of of this movie to that conversation and i don't i don't think you'd be off base so it's a cool it's a cool movie that kind of touches on multiple genres that result in it just being the cohen genre that we referenced in Uh, uh, country for old men what did Lindsay think of it she liked it. I don't think she liked it near as much as I do. Um, something I discovered a few years ago is that um, I'm not going to generalize and say women, so I'll just say my wife does not understand car chase humor. Like we watched okay. Blues Brothers together. Mm. Blues Brothers is one of my favorite comedies of all time. I know uh, Richard, you're not super high on I that hate one, but Blues Brothers. I yeah. love the Blues Brothers and um, the the scene with the 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 outrageous car chase scene in that is to me is one of the funniest things that I've ever seen. I love that scene every time I watch it. She was just kind of staring at me blankly, like, "What is happening?" Yeah, I, I kind of feel that this. way too about um, the Blues Brothers. But uh, but the same same thing here. The best scene in this movie to me is the, is the when he goes to rob the convenience yeah. store and the absurd chase. Yeah, the yeah. diapers, the absurd chase that that takes place through that. And I was just dying. And Lindsay was. Lindsay, Lindsay has a very, very great sense of humor, same as me. But this is like one spot, this kind of weird off kilter humor where I felt like she was like, I don't really understand why this is funny. So I think she, she generally liked it, but wasn't. She, yeah. I, if she never sees it again, she'll be just fine. And and uh, you know, that's how it you'll goes find sometimes. a new wife. And yeah, exactly. Out. Yeah, like, third time's a charm. So yeah, that's <laughs> happy. <laughs> Grief. Um, I think what makes this kind of compelling is. Or one of the things is that it takes something so serious yeah. and has such a lighthearted uh-huh. take on that. Like kidnapping a kid is, you know, you could have this or Elizabeth Smart. Like there's two, <laughs> you know what I mean? There are two kind of yeah. parallels, like the most yeah. horrific thing you could ever imagine happening right. to your family or raising Arizona. <laughs> where My like, mind immediately went to Amy Smart and I was like, Amy Smart's not that bad. I don't know. What's the, you know so, Elizabeth yeah. Smart is the girl <laughs> yeah, that... Yeah. Taken out of her house, and they found her like ten years later with drifters or whatever it was. Um, So, yeah, in kind of Coen Brothers fashion, it takes something like a like they do in Fargo, Mm -hmm. and taking a horrible double murder or whatever it is, and making it a comedy. Right? You know, that's typically that wouldn't happen. Yeah, yeah. But they do it so gracefully. And this scene, especially the one that's on the screen here as we're recording, where Nicolas Cage is kind of like. This is maybe the best physical bit is where he's trying to steal the kid. Yeah. And he's trying to wrangle the five kids at once. <laughs> and it's a really, really good kind of slapstick physical humor uh, kind of, like kind of a bit. Is, chaplain yeah. Is yes. Yeah. He's trying to wrangle them all and they're all coming. They're all pooing all over each other or whatever <laughs> it is. And they're crying and he's trying to calm them down without anyone noticing. And he's getting them all mixed up with each other. So he didn't know which one he takes and all that. Um, I think that's a. It, it's uh again taking a lighthearted 
tone on this guy's going to kidnap these kids, <laughs> <Right>. you know, <laughs> but it's like you're laughing at it. So that's kind of a, yeah. I guess they kind of flip it on its head. They make it their own. And, can't, and can't the way it's shot you. too, the way it's shot, that scene went the, they kind of put the cameras on the ground and it's mm-hmm. from the baby's yeah, perspective yeah. and the way, yeah, I really, really like, what about me? What? What's your, what's your introduction to the movie and what? I didn't, I don't you, think how, I saw how this. How it work for you? I think yeah. Fargo was the first one that I kind of, I mean, maybe not the first one I saw, but the first one I kind of appreciated. Yeah. And I probably saw this, I don't know, I, I definitely saw Fargo and Lebowski before this. Yeah. So, I think maybe Fargo Blood is most people's and Barton introduction Fink. to the Coen brothers, at least from our generation yeah. and whatnot. I think so. I don't really think of this one when I think of the Coens for some reason. It's this one always sure. kind of gets left off, but yeah. I always remember it. And like, if you said it was your favorite, I'd be like, oh, yeah, of course. But it's never one yeah. that I think of immediately when I think of their work. I don't know why that is. Maybe it it's just because it's so much more of a comedy than yes, the other ones. Yeah, it's, it's just a straight comedy. It's kind of it's kind of dumb and, and out there and, and, and because I think a lot of people, I, I think we tend to, for so many people in our generation, Fargo is the movie that they remember about the Coen brothers first or that they, maybe was straight up the, the introduction to them. And then you go back and you're like, and you add, and Lebowski came right after that. And then you might go back and see Barton Fink and Miller's crossing. But for a lot of people, I just don't think you naturally go back all the way to, Sure. Um, to raising Arizona, and it does as much as it. Like I said at the beginning, there's there's a lot of Coheny elements to it. It doesn't have quite the same feel that a Cohen Brothers yeah. movie. You does. know what the best comparison for it is, as far as their other movies, and one another one that I never think of, Oh Brother Where Art Thou? Yeah, and then yeah. the one that I never associate with. Or of course I know they did it, but it's never one that I think of. Mm-hmm. I always think of maybe their darker. Yes. Stuff maybe they're darker comedies than I think of their more lighthearted stuff that they've. Yeah. Of, Burn after readings a little bit darker, but still more mm-hmm. more comedic. But maybe that's why I don't have much that much more of appreciation for it than you. It's just that I never associate it with them and their f- filmography. For me, it's kind of like <clears throat> what's a good comparison? Um, it's like Steven Spielberg, 1941 or something like that. It's like, yeah, he did that, but it's never one that I think of and, mm-hmm. and it's never, he's not really known for it, but I, I think Terminal. this kind of turned yeah. people onto them more definitely. Like, yeah. is it, was it more about them? I, I think this is their best script. It's a great script. And I think it's yeah. super, the language is super complex. And if you look at it, I mean like every little detail of the language is written on the page. It's not like mm-hmm. ad libbed or they're taking, you know, an accent. Just like uh Jeff Bridges talks about the dude and he always gives credit to them because he's like every dude and uh yeah and all the little <laughs> mannerisms of the dude and like that's just uh your uh opinion. Like every uh is right. like in the script. Like every you know, and um I think it's just beautifully masterfully written Mm -hmm. in that term and just the kind of the hick nature of it. Mm -hmm. And it's so natural. Yeah. That part too. One of the things that I, you know, I've seen this movie, I don't know, 50 times. And one of the things that I really have grown to appreciate about it, and especially given the time period, I mean, (laughs) uh, Nick Cage and Holly, they're super white trash, but they, the movie never condescends to them. Like never, it's never making fun of their lack of education or their Mm -hmm. circumstance or their lack of money or anything like that. It's, it's very kind towards all the people in this movie. Um, 
except for maybe the guy on the bike, you know. Uh, it, <laughs> it, it's, it does a really good job of just kind of showing them to be, again, in such a, a dumb, r- kind of stupid, uh, ridiculous comedy. It, it, it's very, I think, respectful for <laughs> towards uh, the, the background and the environment that these people come from. I think so, too. The plot is funny, too. The ex-con aspect of it, the fact that he's kind of a fugitive the whole time, you know? Yeah. And uh, his buddies break out, or they're the fu- he's a fugitive once he steals the baby or yeah. whatever. right. But his buddies break out, and he has to kind of protect John Goodman and his buddy, and uh, while also trying to be a husband to his wife and all yeah. that. And then, like, things go awry pretty fast in here it's it really is kind of like uh this it feels feels so 80s yeah. it feels so like three men and a baby mixed, yeah. <laughs> mixed with back to the future mixed with uh like a john hughes movie or something like it's mm-hmm. very definitely it's very of that time especially with the haircuts oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> the haircuts so great are. 80s haircuts in here hey what's up ma'am fam kent here and yes if you're hearing from me you know it's time to talk about blue apron If you haven't tried out Blue Apron by now, what the heck are you even doing? Blue Apron is the number one fresh ingredient and recipe delivery service in the country. They deliver fresh meals straight to your door. All the food is fresh. It's sourced from local farms. And there's no wasted ingredients. I've been a Blue Apron subscriber for a long time now. And they have still, to this day, never let me down. There's tons of variety. Some featured upcoming meals include summer vegetable and egg paninis, Soy glazed pork and rice cakes, skillet vegetable chili with cheddar drop biscuits, holy crap, and garlic butter shrimp and corn with green bean salad. So take it from me. Try out Blue Apron now. Go to blueapron.com slash mad. That's blueapron.com slash mad. Get three meals on us for free. Nothing goes better with a movie than dinner. So check out Blue Apron, blueapron.com slash mad. Blue Apron, a better way to cook. Hey, ma'am, fam, question for you. Do you own a small business or are you a boss? Are you looking to hire awesome people, but you just can't find somebody to fill that role? Let me tell you about ZipRecruiter.com. With ZipRecruiter, you can post your job to 100 plus job sites all with one click. In fact, over 80% of jobs posted on ZipRecruiter get a qualified candidate in just 24 hours. Find out today why ZipRecruiter has been used by businesses of all sizes to find the most qualified job candidates with immediate results. That's why ZipRecruiter is different. Unlike other job sites, ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on candidates finding you. It finds them. Right now, you can post your jobs for free on ZipRecruiter by going to ZipRecruiter.com slash mad. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash mad. One more time, try it for free. Go to ZipRecruiter.com slash mad. Thanks to ZipRecruiter for supporting this episode of the Mad About Movies podcast. Why why didn't Nicolas Cage do more stuff like this, you know? Well, he's a, like after he's a crazy so, person. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's easy. That's the real answer probably. He's just he's a nuts. He's kind of a weird guy. Um he I read that he and the Coens they got it wasn't like acrimonious between them, but that there was a definite. They didn't like each other. Yeah, I think it was more just that, like they didn't like working with each other because, like what you were saying earlier, can't like Cohen brothers are very um, 
controlling maybe uh, or at least they're very protective of their script and of their process and stuff and they're not really open to collaboration or anything like that and so I'd read that, that Nick Cage would kind of continually go to them with hey what if we did this what about this idea and they just said okay cool and then never yeah. did any of it and I you, I think you can gather that Nick Cage has a n- not in a bad way necessarily but has a bit of an ego about his um, presence on screen and so I don't think that that went over super super well with him yeah uh, I love the narration in this yes um, that's sort of a uh, something you kind of overlook but it really does make a big difference and mm-hmm. as far as it's um as the tone and everything um the I already mentioned the nursery scene. The, the actually them escaping out of prison, where John Goodman's like bursting out yeah. of the mud at the crane. He's like, ah, that's so great. It's like the complete opposite of like a Shawshank Redemption, yeah, where it's right. like this beautiful moment where <laughs> yeah. he like sees freedom yeah. and he's like coming out of the butthole of the ground, like, <laughs> and then he pulls out his friend, you know, and they're covered in mud. And then the next scene is them washing and putting pomade in their hair at the <laughs> gas station yeah. to try to like yeah. look like normal people or whatever. But their clothes are still covered in mud, like head to toe. That's pretty funny. <laughs> um, another underrated kind of the muse of the uh, Coens ends up being Frances McDormand, and she right. shows up in here and is just freaking American treasuring all over the place. Yeah, she's awesome. So she's is great. um, so is John Goodman. The wife swap thing is funny <laughs> it's too. A funny bit. The whole thing with the kids and they're just going to town on his on his car and then uh-huh. in their trailer and stuff is uh is pretty funny because it's like he's <laughs> you it's like high is kind of seeing that this might be his future but also he's not super concerned about it at the same time and i always thought that was a funny juxtaposition um and you you know you, as you watch his hair get crazier and crazier throughout yep. the movie too it's 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 a funny it's a funny bit um and the way that uh what what's that actor's name? The guy who played wife swap guy. I can't I can't think of his name. Um, regardless, his bit is always Sam McMurray. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go, Sam McMurray. Uh, his presentation of uh, of his offer, the way he <laughs> he sort of uh, leads up to that, has always been very funny to me. I'm talking about my wife. Yeah, like I got a lot in common with your wife. You got a lot yeah. in common with my. Yeah. Wife. You're just like and he's you, like, what are you, where are you going, where are you going with, with this? this? And oh, he says it, and there then it he punches is. him. Yeah. punches him right in the face. Uh, <laughs> That's that's great too. Um, there's kind of a blackmail aspect of this. There's um, the bounty hunter stuff. Yeah, uh, the, I like kind of like the mysterious nature of that bounty hunter at the beginning. In the way that they that Cohen's brought, they build it to where you're at least for Nicholas for High's character. Like you're not totally sure if this is real or not because he's having these dreams about that guy. And then when he busts the life, that scene when he first comes on screen, uh, and you know, not in a dream for sure, not in a dream. And I says, "Are are you seeing this too? You know, or something like that? Or do, yeah. you, do you see this guy as well?" And that was real funny. And so they play on this element of like, this is the the baddest hombre. This is who it yeah. would be. And I, I always always enjoyed that of like it the way that. Um, it's almost you could almost make a case that it's that some of it is in is in Nicholas Nicholas Cage's head and instead, you know, it just bursts onto the screen like that. And that's always a lot of fun to me. I love the fact that uh the bounty hunter goes to the house and says, 
I'll find your kid for 50 grand. Yeah. And he's convinced that that guy is something to do with it because <laughs> surely whoever took my kid is not like a normal yeah. person. And so when, uh, when high actually brings the kid back or whatever, when they feel guilty about it or uh-huh. everything happens and they just rescue the kid and the, the dad walks in and says, Oh, you brought him back. Like, surely you couldn't have taken him because you're right. not, you don't fit the kind of stereotype <laughs> right. of somebody yeah. who would steal a kid. I think that's good. And it's smart, it's smart that, uh, also when they kind of have the ransom out there, when they do bring him back, when high and his wife do, they, they sympathize with him, but they, he also says like, most rewards are no questions asked. Like, yeah. It doesn't matter if I stole yeah. the kid. <laughs> I brought him back. So that's yeah. all that matters, really. Right? Right. And he's like, it's amazing how much Mr. Arizona is like, a, <laughs> oh, well, he's not hurt, so you're good. Yeah. Like, that's basically what he says. Like, yeah, there's like a... He's not there's, mad about it There's at sort all. of a, like a really soft, uh, tender element to that, too. When he... He has a he has a minute where he could really make a case for he could really make things difficult for uh for for high and ed and instead he 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 kind of shows like a kind heart and actually even gives them you know marriage advice and whatnot and it's mm-hmm. I always i think that's a very touching moment um that at least for me like I've kind of forgotten about despite how many times I've seen it until this last this most recent view and I was like oh yeah that's a really sweet moment. And that's not something you get a lot out of uh, out of the Cohen brothers, typically. <laughs> it's funny that uh, his name is Huffines. Yeah. And he's why did you change your name? Because nobody would buy furniture from <laughs> right. Huffines. But it's funny because there's a big car dealership in Dallas called Huffines, and yeah. they're one of the Huffines biggest in town. Chevrolet. Yeah. <laughs> that's just funny that he thought he had to change his name because he could never have a dealership with yeah. the name right. Huffines on it. That's funny to us locals here. Um, I like the hand grenade reveal at when they killed a bounty hunter. Yeah. Um, that's good and effective and funny. And also, um, what was I going to say? Uh, sorry, I lost my train of thought there. It's okay. When he took his son, um, like, like you were saying with the, he kind of understands where they're coming from. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. When a uh, Mr. Arizona, when they do bring the kid back, right. he understands why somebody would want a kid and like, Oh, yeah. we have too much. We're super blessed. You <laughs> yeah. know, like I guess that's kind of the reason that he doesn't ever, nothing ever comes with this. Uh-huh. It's just kind of a, kind of a one-off thing. And they go kind of go about their, kind of go about their business. No cinematic like universe for this, unfortunately. <laughs> Yet. No, yeah. A cliche that I kind of found that I've kind of rolled my eyes at this time was where he's running away from a dog and then the dog ends up being on the chain. Like, right. Yeah. yeah. I hate that. Like how many do. movies do that stupid? Yeah, but they double it up with then having like fourteen dogs chase him down the street, which is pretty funny. <laughs> that just keeps adding to the element. When he busts through the house, and then the cop, and then the dogs, and then all, you know everything keeps falling. I always thought it was really funny. It's weird too seeing John Goodman at this age in yeah. life because in my mind, John Goodman has always been 50. 65, yeah. you know? And so having him, he's not skinny, but he looks a little, yeah. a little more svelte is, is such an he's odd husky. Yeah. His face is younger. Yeah. He's got such great, his voice. Yeah. One he of the works so, great presences. Yeah, yeah, totally great presence. And he, he fits so well in a Cohen universe. Yeah. That's why it's, I mean, I always love when they use him in every film that he's, he's been in, but he just, he seems like, he seems like a guy that should be in a Coen Brothers movie, and 
you know, perpetually. So funny moment when John Goodman and uh, his little buddy leave the kid on the top of the car or whatever. Yeah. When they try to steal the kid. There's a, that's funny when they kind of turn on him and he has to chase his friends who now have the kid. And there's this, it's really kind of, I don't know, slapsticky or yeah, it's just, it's just solidly kind of a romp at that, like towards the middle of the movie, you mm-hmm. know, it's less about smart comedy and more yeah. about just like goofy a lot of sound effects and, part, yeah. and like things happening, you yeah. know, definitely it's crazy to see where they evolved from, yeah. you know, like their sense of humor has, is way more complex than it was back then mm-hmm. i guess yeah i totally agree the, the it's funniest... smartly written but it's still kind of like cheesy yes yeah, yeah yeah the funniest line in the whole movie to me is when they when uh, william Forsythe robs the store the convenience store and tells the clerk don't you lay down on the ground and count to 800 and back or mm-hmm. 850 or something like that and then you know you just hear the guy counting and then they come back five minutes later and he's 223 uh-huh. 200 and he mm-hmm. says, ah, bull, and stands up. Yeah. And then right at that second, they come peering back around the corner. Yeah. Ah, like, I love that. That always gets me. It's always been a funny bit to me. And that's so stupid and simple, but they play it uh, brilliantly. There's the lizard shot, just like in uh, No Country Old Men when he shoots <laughs> yep. the bird. Yep. Yeah, they gotta. They do kind of weave the same kind of mm-hmm. um, setups. Animal killing. <laughs> they love it. Peta, not a big fan. This kind, of, the the bounty Devin hunter. Wes Anderson both they kill of, an animal in every movie. If you yeah. notice that, he's kind of similar to the Shiger character and the fact yeah. that you know he's going to come into play somewhere. Yeah, You're just kind of waiting for it to happen. Well, the narration too. I mean, there's a yeah. lot of similarities between this and No Country for Old Men, just with drastically different uh, tones, I guess, or or uh, outcomes. It's different, uh, kind of different ways to go about. Uh-huh. Talk, talking, talking about like hick country folk too, you know. Yeah. yeah, one's way more realistic than the other, obviously. Yeah, raising Arizona. Raising Arizona. Yeah, but um, still kind of a like we said, it, it's a, it's a way for them to kind of make the same movie mm-hmm. multiple times or have different takes on the same subject matter. Uh, so it's weird to say that this movie kind of has a happy ending too, you know, where like everybody just kind of goes on their way, yeah. and you know the family's back together, high in them, they're all. They give the kid a Christmas present or right. whatever every year, and uh, it's all kind of wrapped up into a bow. It's mm-hmm. kind of the opposite of No Country for Old yeah. Men in, yeah. in that regard. It's two different ways that these things can kind of mm-hmm. be resolved. But again, this is kind of a precursor to things to come for them. It's kind of that quirky, off-center nature of totally their, an original their movies. Film, which is totally their- original and totally kind of sets you up for different possibilities they can go darker they can go lighter if they want they can make these kinds of these kinds of comedies for the forever if they wanted to you uh-huh. know, they could have just made this style of comedy and been pretty successful i think if they kind of continued that yeah so, i agree i agree this is one that's a uh, grown on me over the years did you like this like immediately Brian, or did it, like, i did I, again I don't, I don't really know what it is other than it just it was it's different it's just different than everything um, that I was watching when I was a kid, and so I, I don't know. I it, it is weird to me I, when I went back and watched it uh, this last week with my wife. It was like I really don't know why I attached to this so much, other than I, you know, I was 
I've always been I like to tell you know I like to tell jokes and do stupid and say stupid stuff and I could never I think at this time in my life especially like I was having a hard time finding that any kind of comedic voice that or figuring out what was funny and what wasn't and this just hit me as such a it's such a funny out there ridiculous sort of thing and yet um it it worked and it works over and over and over again the way that they you know piece it together to where there's it's, I don't know it's so it's a weird thing to me I I had a I owned a VHS copy of this at one point like um, beyond just watching it on TBS all the time and it's in a high school maybe even early college it was the one that I would kind of pressure, hey have you seen Raising Arizona and then show it to people and. You know, the ladies nine came, times out of yeah. ten, they were like, I don't get this. I'm like, okay, cool. I understand. Yeah. It is kind of a I'll cult be in here alone. Yeah, see you later. Making, I'll be watching it if you guys need me. <laughs> I'll be making spreadsheets about the NBA and watching <laughs> these years. Um, 1987, Three Men and a Baby did come out the same year. So okay. that's kind of weird. I, I didn't know Disney distributed Three Men and a Baby. As yeah, well yeah. as Good Morning Vietnam. Oh, I didn't know that. Figure it's a different time for the Beverly mouse. Hills Cop Two, Good Morning Vietnam, Moonstruck, Lethal Weapon. Those are other comic comedies in the same year. So yeah. it's definitely kind of the most quirky of them. Okay, so grade for this, I'll go. I'll start us off here. Uh, I'll go A minus for Raising Arizona. I'll go an A. There's nothing really I can complain about. Yeah, I'd probably. I mean, go it's hard to. It's hard to kind of uh, pinpoint a reason not to give it an A, you know, or an A minus, or yeah, it, 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 it sets out every. I mean, it, it accomplishes every goal it sets out right. to, to do. Yeah, no, I'd give it an A, and I, if it's not, if if the the brand of comedy doesn't hit you, then it's you know, it's not going to work for you at all because it's not. They're yeah. unrelenting in their. No, they're going to stick to their exa- their plan. This is what we do, and this is yep. our strengths, and we're going to keep. Just plugging away at it, and if you don't like it, then you can find another movie. But um, yeah, it's it's really fun. And again, I think my to me beyond the nostalgia of it, the, the best part of it, it to me is that you're just getting kind of a a crash course in Cohenism for the next thirty years. And exactly. I think that that's really interesting. Okay, um, where can we find you on the intraweb? Brian. You can find me on the Twitter at bgill 12 You can find my writing at madaboutmoviespodcast.com. Richard, where can we find you? You can find me on Twitter, Instagram, or Snapchat at Richard Barton. Kent, where can I find you? On the Twitter, Kent Garrison, kentgarrison.com. Find me on iTunes at the Mad About Movies Podcast. Hit subscribe. Thank everyone for being here, listening. And uh, until next time, we'll talk more Cohen's eventually, I'm sure. Yep. See you at the cinema. Hey, baby, I hear the blues are calling Tossed salads and scrambled eggs And maybe I seem a bit confused Yeah, maybe, but I got you pegged (laughs) But I don't know what to do with those tossed salads and scrambled eggs They're calling again Scrambled eggs all over my face They're making me ya-ya Again. 